Welcome to the first installment of the Great American Challenge weekly podcast update. Hopefully it becomes a weekly thing. I know we're running a little late on this season, but uh, it's something I've been debating going back and forth of whether I was going to do, and I figured it probably won't take me all that long, so why not? Now, this first show is probably going to be a little bit longer. I'm hoping to make these between 15 and 20 minutes, but for this first episode, I have five weeks to recap. So I'm trying to go over uh, the draft and projected standings around that point, uh, how that has changed in the past five weeks, as well as some uh, some notable happenings around the league. Typically, each week uh, will consist of game recaps for all four games in our league. Uh, they will consist of notable performances, uh, players who were good starts, bad starts. Um, I will do an update on the standings. I will recommend trades um, using the trade tool that I've generated. Uh, I'll run some trades and we'll see what pops up. Uh, and if I have any strong recommendations for any teams, I'll definitely lay those out. Um I'll give my insight into the upcoming games, and I'm going to give a recap of what records are on pace to be broken or potentially what records were broken in the previous week. Occasionally, uh, we will do interviews, and I will just choose a, a random league member um, or whoever volunteers that week, and we'll just uh, go over some questions about how they're managing their team, what their strategy is going forward of how they try and assemble their team, um, and maybe some, maybe some trivia about them and some wacky questions to see what pops up. And on top of all of it all, the one theme that will definitely, definitely ride throughout this entire thing is we're going to shit all over Jay. But now that we've laid all that out, uh, let's go ahead and get started. So certainly we should start off by uh, going back to our draft. And <laughs> there is absolutely no doubt that the most notable thing that happened uh, in the first round of our draft um, was was who happened to go to who? <laughs> our friend Jay, um, where he picked uh, Tom Brady with the third overall pick. Just uh, unbelievable foresight, I think, by by Jay. Um he recognized the player that he he wanted to get and uh, and went after him, despite the fact that he probably could have gotten him in the fourth round. Now, it takes uh, bold thinking to to go after a player like that to uh, risk your entire season. And it, it appears to so far be <laughs> be working out for him. Um, and we can debate ad nauseum if that's uh, by luck or by design. But uh, yeah, Brady, third overall pick in our league. And it's probably why we're... We're rated a silver league by Yahoo. Just that pick alone. Thanks, Jay. But the other notable first round pick, uh, unfortunately, that uh, Kevin had to auto draft uh, based on not having any electricity, I think. Uh, but he picked Le'Veon Bell with the second overall pick. And we all know how that has turned out. What was thought to be maybe a one or two week uh, absence of Bell uh, that he's obviously done before in prior seasons, turned into a uh, season-long odyssey, which uh, ultimately resulted in Kevin dropping Bell, surprisingly, and uh, Corey spending literally every dollar that he had of his uh, auction budget 
to to pick him up to pair up with Connor, who I think Corey drafted in the tenth round. I don't have the um, the results of the draft pulled up right in front of me, but I believe it was the tenth. It might have been a little bit earlier than that. Tenth uh, was the the grade that I had on him, so I, I think I remember Corey picking him a little bit earlier than me. So it may have been earlier. Corey can correct me on that. So yeah, pulled up the the draft results, and Connor did go in the 10th round. So now Corey has that pair. And honestly, what I'm hoping happens going forward uh, is that Bell does report to the Steelers. They don't trade him. Uh, And Bell has uh, recently said that he doesn't want to be traded. He wants to play and perform for the Steelers. But the Steelers, understanding that James Conner is the future, uh, instead of running either one out there full time, they run a timeshare out. And each one looks like a 15 point a week kind of guy. Um, and those $84 and that uh, 10th round pick just kind of go up in smoke. Um, the only reason I hope that is not because I wish uh, it will on Corey, but it would probably be pretty good for me. So looking through here, um, just looking through our draft, it's obvious that there were some players that went way too early and some incredible values that were had uh, just at this point in the season. Uh, David Johnson hasn't performed well at all, and I know because I drafted him fourth. I uh, definitely should have drafted either Elliott or Kamara in that slot, but uh, for Taylor to pull Kamara in the seventh and him being the the top performing running back right now, uh, even though it's still a first round pick, that's a uh, fantastic value for where she picked. Um, although she got hammered on the flip side by picking Fournette, who has run into the same injury issues that uh, he ran into at the end of last year. Now, fortunately she was able to pick up uh, TJ Yeldon and has been able to flip those in and out, but still on the weeks that Fournette's supposed to be starting, um, and then you put Fournette in your starting lineup and he scores seven points and is out by five minutes into the game. It's incredibly frustrating and can hamper a team that even, even if the team has Kamara. Another massive steal came at the first pick of the third round uh, where our top performing wide receiver this year, uh, Michael Thomas, was selected. I think the the theme so far is that picking Saints players has uh, paid off quite handsomely after the Saints had a down year last year. It pushed some of their players down the board. Um, even Kamara, who was a revelation towards the end of last year, wasn't going at the tops of drafts, not the top of the first round, later in the first round. Um, and yet we have the big three out of New Orleans in Kamara Breeze and Michael Thomas all performing like under our league settings, they should have been first or second round picks. Uh, and yet Thomas and Breeze both uh, both going to the third round. Uh, another third round pick that hasn't performed quite up to standards yet, but he does this every year is Russell Wilson. Um, he usually fucks around at the beginning of the year, makes me trade him because I always draft his ass. And then I go sit and watch as he uh, scores 40 a game for someone else over the last six games of the season. And I don't think I'm going to run into that trap this year. As the weather gets colder, for whatever reason, Seahawks avoid running and Russell Wilson starts throwing more. Um, Another steal or two, uh, third round, lots of value there. Uh, McCaffrey, who is a top three running back right now, I think. Um, and Devontae Adams went, and Adams just seems matchup proof. Plug him and play him, you never even think about it. Digging a little bit deeper into the draft, um, one of our highest scoring, (laughs) 
the highest scoring quarterbacks. And it's, it's uh, fantastic that uh, the same person that drafted him last year and before he sat out the entire year uh, had the wherewithal to draft him again. Uh, and Taylor picked up luck uh, despite, despite her sitting there during draft night, not wanting to pick him at all. Um, and he's paid off. The The guy is on pace to throw like 800 times this year, uh, break Stafford's record for the number of attempts in a season. Um, and despite their coach saying that they definitely cannot keep that up uh, on Thursday night, he threw for 50 some odd again. So uh, good pick so far. Uh, there's big complaints about the shoulder, but uh, that hasn't shown up on any game film or any games that I've watched. He, he looks absolutely healthy and uh, probably will be higher than a six round pick than he was uh, this year. Uh, in terms of other huge, huge value, you can find it all up and down the six round. Joe Mixon went in the six and despite the injuries he's had, he looks like a, a top flight running back. Uh, Thielen, went in the sixth and I've subsequently traded him off in a series of trades that ended up netting me girly, but Thielen has been fantastic as has uh, uh, Juju Smith Schuster, which while being one of the more fun names to say probably doesn't justify Jay picking him in the sixth. Although his performance has certainly been worthy of a uh, pick of the sixth round or higher. He probably could have gotten him much, much later in the draft. But if you look throughout Jay's entire draft, that seems to be a theme of, wow, this guy, you know, he's performing well, but you probably could have got him like three rounds later. Uh, so despite the fact that Jay's team is, in fact, performing well, just imagine the team he could have had while still having all of these people. But looking through the entirety of the draft, uh, we go a little bit deeper into the rounds, and there is there's one player that stands out to me as, uh, so far, the, the highest value pick. Uh, of our draft, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Now, certainly there was hype surrounding him, but he had never really played a game in the NFL. And despite the preseason, uh, him showing off this just immense arm, our league and, and many others like like ours were um, timid. Uh, we didn't want to pick up the hot name and then have him do absolutely nothing. And so he fell and fell and fell. Uh, and Taylor got wonderful Wonderful value out of her quarterbacks. Uh, I mentioned Andrew Luck earlier, and now Patrick Mahomes. She picked in the sixth and tenth rounds uh, two quarterbacks that are both in the top five of scoring. In fact, Mahomes is number one. And uh, there were plenty of teams. There were two teams, actually, that used, uh, I think, two of their first six picks to uh, to secure the quarterback position, both their first and their super flex. Uh, and they are not seeing the same returns. I'm, I'm one of them. Um, just a, a fantastic showing by by Taylor of taking the risk to pick those guys later um, and focusing on other value, which has obviously been been much more scarce towards the top of the draft. Now, I'm tempted to say the pick right before Mahomes has been the steal of the draft, and that was James Conner. But the only reason I am not saying that James Conner has been the steal of the draft is because we don't know what the situation is going to be. Uh, Bell certainly appears that he's going to play at least six games with the Steelers. And if you're the Steelers, who have been struggling lately, uh, if you have Le'Veon Bell on your team, you got to play him. If he's if he's wearing pads, he's on the field for you. And uh, At that point, there's maybe not enough uh, points to go around for, for James Conner. And unfortunately that might strike Corey at the, the worst possible time, uh, which is playoffs. Uh, if you go back and look through our league history, 
the teams that consistently have done very well in our playoffs, and in fact, all of our champions up to this point, the one thing that they have had in common is the, the last four weeks of the season, well, the last two of the regular season, and then, of course, the two of the playoffs, they had wonderfully, wonderfully consistent running back performances. Um, I think actually one of them, one of the, our championship teams started three running backs, had a running back in their super flex, just because uh, at that point, how their roster makeup was, it was a much, much more consistent uh, point output, a very high floor, very high ceilings for the running backs that get uh, the bell cow role in their offenses. So that that's the reason why I can't say James Conner is the steal of the draft. And certainly there have been good picks. I mean, there's, there's, there's pretty good picks. Uh, a little bit later on, Adrian Peterson went in the 13th, although Chris hasn't been starting him, so he's really a steal. Um, Edelman went late and looks like after his suspension, he he could be uh, viable in fantasy. And uh, looking through here, there was really not many steals after the 14th round. I mean, Jordan Reed might be startable, but he's on a team right now that has Ertz. Uh, as it's starting tight end. So Reed's not seeing the field except for a bye week. Um, but some of these picks towards the end, just they've been shuffled off in teams. Bilal, Bilal Powell, Blake Bortles, Cameron Meredith. Cameron Meredith is someone that certainly looked like he could have had a great year, but the the Saints just aren't using him. Um, yeah, so so the, currently the the steal uh, of the year is is Patrick Mahomes. Uh, we'll see if he can keep it up as the, the weather gets colder, as teams start adjusting. And if he can't, that might change. Uh, who knows who ends up emerging? But uh, good job, Taylor. Uh, those two quarterbacks are the foundation of your team, and it's the reason why you're doing so well. So it's so a good work on that. Uh, the last part to to recap our draft is to look at the draft day projections, uh, how our teams were uh, thought to do. And it's somewhat 50-50 an exercise in evaluating our drafting abilities uh, as well as evaluating uh, Yahoo's projections. Now, certainly we all inform ourselves by using the projections either beforehand or during the draft to, to kind of get a gauge on who we will end up picking at what spot. Um, and so this does uh, indicate a little bit of drafting ability, drafting strategy, um, but it's not the overall uh, fantasy football talent. Uh, but looking at this, there were uh, were two teams projected to go 11 and three, and one of them still can, uh, and one of them cannot because they've already lost four games. And that's me. <laughs> um, and so that was our our one and two projected teams, where me and Austin, Austin was the other team, and he certainly is looking like 11 and three is possible for him. Uh, then at three and four, both at 10 and four, is going to be, uh, be be positions three and four. Uh, are Chris and uh, and Corey, and so that is who's projected to make make the playoffs. It would be me, Austin, Chris, and Corey, at least at the the outset. Um, and then some teams that uh, that Yahoo did not like their teams. Uh, Kevin on auto draft uh, went seven seven uh, and picked his his second quarterback in the last round of the auto draft, and I think that's not even built into Yahoo system. It was just a, you know, they were feeling sympathetic because this team was kind of terrible after the auto draft. Um, and then, then Taylor's team who has obviously been performing wonderfully uh, based off of those two quarterbacks who have both been uh, over projecting. Um, but she was projected to finish sixth at uh, five and nine. Uh, and then our two one win teams, at least off of Yahoo's projections, 
uh, were my father's team and Jay's team. And uh, both those teams are sitting at three and one. Uh, so obviously they won't be finishing as terribly as Yahoo suggested. Um, and I mean, moving forward, I'm not sure if those teams keep it up. Um, just based off of looking at their rosters and looking at the rosters around the rest of the league, you still don't trust the players on them as much. Uh, but up to this point, have performed quite well. So if we compare that to our current standings, and uh, lo and behold, who are the, the top two teams in the league? And it's uh, it's my father and it's Jay's team. Uh, those are our two highest scoring teams. Uh, in fact, and, and I'll get to records, um, but my father is on pace to uh, – shatter the the single season <laughs> scoring record in our league uh, beating out the uh, 2014 team beats by ray which i still think is the best fantasy team that our league's ever assembled uh thank you josh gordon um jay's team uh, performing really really well but i just there's and i think the majority of of our league agrees with this except for of course jay we're all kind of waiting for the collapse and it hasn't come yet. Um, but you get the feeling that it's, it's coming and it's right there. And uh, any week could be the, the last week that Jay wins a game. Um, so we'll see. I'll keep my eye on that. I still don't anticipate Jay winning, uh, even winning enough to get into the playoffs. But uh, for right now, his team has performed well and way out for perform projections. It's uh, unless Kamara, uh, does something crazy. Um, it looks like Jay is going to, uh, be four and one after this week. Um, and then there's two other three and one teams, uh, both Taylor and, and Austin, there's kind of been a divide that is, uh, formed and it would be a perfectly parallel divide. Had I, you know, not lost by a point and a half to Chris last week. Motherfucker. Um, we would have four teams at three and one and, uh, four teams at one and three, if that were the case, but that that's not how it worked out. So at fifth, uh, Chris is sitting at, uh, at two and two. And uh, that's fortunate for him because his, his points for is uh, 10 points a game less than his points against. So uh, typically you think that uh, the points against will lighten up. Um, he's not going to have 210 scored against him every week. Um, but then you look at this week and, you're right. It wasn't 210. It was 280 something. So sometimes you can't catch a break. Um, and then you have the, the three teams that are the only three teams that uh, have ever won a championship in this league. Uh, and after 12 combined games for those three teams, there's two wins. They have two wins between them. Um, at least before this week is over, it looks like Corey's going to win. I'm going to win. Uh, Kevin's not going to win. Um, so we'll add, we'll add two more out of 15 games. We'll have four wins between the, the teams that have won the five championships in this league. And it's, you think it's bound to turn around, but Corey's sitting there with, uh, with zero on his waiver budget and I don't have a win. And, uh, Kevin apparently doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't want to start his lineups, so I have to butt heads with the league on that. Uh, more particularly, just my father. But ah, we'll see. Um, it's been a really interesting start to the season compared to what both Yahoo and and I thought that the league would work out to do. And uh, it'll be interesting to to watch what happens uh, going forward for our standings. But uh, 
that's our draft. That's uh, the standings as what the draft was supposed to or what our standings were supposed to be, according to Yahoo, after the draft and what they are currently looking like. Uh, just goes to show that uh, Jay's rhetoric of if I don't like numbers or facts or math or any of that might actually pay off for you. So just start randomly doing shit. Maybe you'll do well in fantasy. Right. So I, I said I was going to look at um, look at records uh, for our league. And I think that's uh, what we'll touch on next. So for a league that has uh, gone on for a decent amount of time, we're on yeah year six now. Um, keeping track of our records is actually one of the things I find most entertaining. Just seeing how teams compare year to year, how scoring compares year to year. And boy, has the scoring been weird this year. I mean, we haven't changed um, anything in terms of our league scoring for three years now, I think. Um, so the fact that the scoring is up, I think, is more indicative of the state of the NFL than anything to do with the talent in our league or how we're playing fantasy football. But uh, looking at, uh, at records and so we've got uh, all of our three and one teams, um, although it looks like we won't have all four of them after this week. Uh, they all have a chance at the most wins in, in a season. Uh, the record's 14, so you can only afford to to lose two in the regular season. Uh, and get there, or you can have a, a perfect regular season and lose twice, I, I suppose, in the playoffs. Um, I don't see any of the teams getting there this year. Maybe Austin, if everything breaks his way. Uh, he does have a very good team. Uh, his wide receivers are fantastic, and they might carry him uh, to a, a wins record, but I, I doubt that happens. Um, so probably no, no records there, uh, in terms of losses, uh, I'm currently at four losses and the longest streak ever is, is seven, but it looks like this week that, uh, I will get the win. So that streak will end. Uh, and I doubt that anybody gets to 13 losses, which is what, uh, in 2014, uh, Mike's team ended up with 13 losses because he's terrible at fantasy football, among other things. Um, we'll have to wait a year, uh, to have Jay's team get to that magical 13 number because with his, uh, his fourth win this week, uh, again, assuming Kamara doesn't, uh, doesn't go nuts. I'm doing this Monday night. Um, he won't be able to get to 13 losses. And I just don't see Corey and Kevin uh, having terrible seasons the rest of the way. In fact, uh, looking at our league, I think we might have a playoff race the last two weeks that gets nuts where uh, you have got, six teams fighting for three spots in the playoffs and the matchups uh, become incredibly important as well as the points for. So it'll be really fun to watch um, margin of victory. There's, there's no one really even close. I mean, the all time record is 189 points and <laughs> for margin of victory, because, you know, Tyra existed in this league at one point um, smallest margin of victory. Um, again, uh, this one's actually kind of interesting because last year, Chris, on average, uh, set the record um, for the smallest margin of victory. In the games that he won, he only did so by 12 points. Uh, if we look at Taylor's team, uh, the games that she wins this year, she's only winning by eight points on average. Uh, now, certainly, I don't expect that to keep up, especially with how explosive her team is. Um, the matchups just usually don't work out over an entire season to let these records get broken. Uh, but it's one to keep an eye on. Uh, margin of defeat for largest, no one's close to that one. Uh, smallest margin of defeat, uh, and actually the the one game that my father lost, um, it's below the average all-time. 
so Kevin in 2016, when he lost games, he only did so by an average of 14 points. And this season, my father's one loss came by 11 points. So if he, he keeps putting up the big numbers that he's been putting up um, and remains competitive in games, it's very possible that uh, he comes down to be the, the toughest out in league history. Uh, in terms of strength of schedule, uh, it looks like uh, I, um, and this will change after this week, but I'm recording this on Monday again. Uh, it looks like I'm going to have the the hardest uh, schedule that our league's ever seen up to this point with averaging uh, 215 points against. Um, and meanwhile, this, this year so far, Austin has the easiest schedule, but it's not the easiest schedule of all time. Which uh, which goes all the way back to the 2014 season. Uh, I think our defensive scoring was a bit different in 2014, and I don't think the easiest strength of schedule record will ever be broken because of that. Our team points records, though, are, are where the records are just looking like they'll be shattered. Um, and again, this is off of week four stuff, but it looks like my father uh, is going to raise this number, but he's currently averaging 224 points a week, and this is going to go up because he's scoring to 80 or something like that this week. No way, that's Corey. Um, let me go check. Okay, so it's going to go down slightly, actually, because he's looking at 209. But even still, he's going to be above the all-time mark of 213 a week. Now, uh, certainly that's tough to carry throughout an entire season. And if I remember correctly, that uh, the team was Beats by Ray, the 2014 team. Um, if I remember correctly, that team during the playoffs scored like 280 both weeks uh, to raise that number considerably. Um, the, the least record for points throughout a season. I mean, that won't be, that won't be broken again. Our 2014, uh, season was a little wonky in defenses. And so it brought down our total points. I'm also thinking that maybe we had a different positional scheme, but I'm not entirely sure. Uh, once again, my father is uh, on pace to have the most points by offensive players ever. He's at 202. The record's 192. That is very likely to fall. Um, oddly enough, uh, Jay, uh, because he gets so lucky in the, the league and all the things that really can't be controlled, uh, literally the most chaotic position in the league is kicker. Uh, it's not even close. And of course he's on pace to set the record for the most kicker points throughout a season. Now it's slim, but the, the record was set last year by Chris's team with 11.5 points per game. And here comes Jay with 11.75. Uh, something to keep an eye on. Not that impressive of a record. It's it's absolutely random. But uh, good on you, Jay. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> the second most random position in fantasy football is defense. Um, and without changed defensive scoring, it looks like Jay is also on pace to break the defensive scoring record. Uh, the, the record goes all the way back to our Tyra days in 2013, uh, where his team, soccer, uh, scored on average 20 points on defense. And this was even with crazy defensive scoring before I, I kind of nerfed it um, after defense was scoring like 60 points a week. Um, but Jay's on pace. He's currently has 24 and a half points from his defenses per week. So another one to keep an eye on. Jay is uh, is currently on pace to break the points from drafted players for, for the most points from drafted players. And that's, entirely because he doesn't make any moves or trade or work the waiver wire, which uh, long run will probably catch up to him, but short one, we right. Fuck it. Let's do it. 
and I am probably going to be on pace while I'm currently not. After all the trades I've done and the trades I continue to do, I very well might set the points from drafted players least record, which oddly enough was set by me as as well back in 2016. Um, I've got a ways to go to see if I hit that mark, but it'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Now, moving over to team statistics, this uh, this goes to show just how nutso this season has been. Um, both Taylor and my father are on pace to break the, the total touchdowns mark. Uh, through four weeks, they, um, they've each scored 39 touchdowns on their team, uh, and the record's uh, 137 set by my father. Um, but they are on a, a touchdown a game pace higher than that record, and so we could have multiple teams uh, break that record this year. Um, no one is threatening the, the least touchdowns, uh, passing yards for the most. And I misspoke earlier. It's actually Kevin who has the most passing yards on average, uh, in our league, which is surprising because, you know, go look at his draft. His second quarterback was literally the last round of the draft. Uh, but some, some good trades and good pickups have, uh, have led him to average 706 passing yards per game, which is just absolutely insane. Um, on the flip side, uh, Corey's team has been abysmal through the air. Uh, now, certainly he is starting running backs in the super, fa- super flex position, but he's on pace for only 266 yards um, each game passing. And the current record is 348. So that is one to keep an eye on that Corey may have the worst passing season in our league history. Um, Chris is on pace for the most rushing yards at uh 249 a game versus uh, 235. That's notable because rushing is so important uh, for the stability of a team. I'm going to guess if he hasn't been being throttled with a a difficult schedule, um, that if you look at uh, Chris's every team every week record, that he would actually be much higher than his current record indicates. Um, With that said, the the most ridiculous record, I think, that's, that's close to being broken is the most receiving yards, um, which, I mean, obviously it's Austin. Austin, that's his thing is he focuses on wide receivers and uh, he currently, his three, four receivers uh, total up to 467 receiving yards a game, which is just obliterating the record uh, held in 2015 by the switch hitters of 388. Uh, So, That'll be interesting. Um, after trading Gurley, I'm not sure if that continues or not. His receivers are putting up ridiculous numbers. Uh, Julio Jones is averaging 125 yards a game. Uh, no touchdowns, though. Um, I'm not sure if that keeps up as the weather gets colder. I've seen that record being threatened before earlier on in the season. Uh, so I, I don't think that'll hold up, but it's one to keep an eye on. So that wraps up our record section, and this uh, being our first episode and be more of a, a league recap show, I wanted to recap some of the big transactions that have taken place, and spoilers, it's mostly been me um, because I created the super fancy trade tool. Um, so we're going to analyze the transactions that have gone down, what uh, impacts, what my reasoning behind them were, uh, and then I'll probably post an update episode later this week that doesn't go into nearly as much depth. Um, Probably not even as much depth as the regular weekly episode, but uh, we'll give an update on our standings, uh, and I'll give trade recommendations on that. Um, yeah, I think that that's going to be the plan going forward. So uh, moving on to analyzing transactions.
So despite our league only being uh, four weeks old at the time of this recording, there have been uh, over 100 transactions performed in our league, which is quite impressive. Um, in terms of pickups, um, I'm not sure how important any of these are. I'm going through them. And uh, Kittle looks like he was a, a good pickup, but subsequently traded, and we'll get to that. Um, he has, has scored white, quite well, and I actually picked him up twice. I picked him up, dropped him, and then picked him up again. Um, on Johnson looks like he, uh, he could be an impact guy as the, the season moves forward. Um, I'm not even sure if, if Jay still owns on Johnson. Um, Deshaun Jackson was, was picked up and putting up huge numbers, but, uh, $9 was spent on Jackson. And while for a couple of weeks, it looks like that he, uh, is going to score well for, for Kevin. I'm not sure if that's an entire season type of thing. Um, certainly the most notable pickup has been Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Corey spent 84 waiver dollars on him after I noticed that Kevin had dropped uh, Bell. And I totally get the reasoning from Kevin on on doing so. I uh, just didn't want to fucking deal with it anymore. Um, and so I, I told Corey that I was going to spend a lot of waiver dollars to pick up Bell. And the truth of the matter is I was not going to spend as much as I knew Corey probably would spend, which is all of it. Uh, and I, the goal was either to to get Le'Veon Bell or to handcuff Corey uh, to having no waiver dollars, um, which I mean it worked. Corey currently has no waiver dollars, but uh, that could pay dividends as the season goes on, especially if Bell comes back come playoff time. Uh, the Steelers transition to a team that is right on the playoff bubble, so they play their best guy. Uh, Bell could have huge games as the season moves forward. And if Corey's in the thick of things in the playoff race or sneaks into the playoffs, uh, those could be the best 84 waiver bucks he ever spent. Um, we'll see how it affects him and his ability to pick up players. Our league's not incredibly active on the waiver wire. So the risk is a little bit lower as spending all your money like that. As I flip through the list here. Okay, so so Jay did drop Carryon Johnson, and now my father has him because, you know, why wouldn't that have happened? Landry was a, a decent pickup. Boyd was a fantastic pickup, as well as Ridley. Um, Chris, whose receivers had been performing quite terribly, uh, noticed that those two guys uh, were not being – owned in our league and they they were becoming central points to their offenses and went and swooped them in and has uh, renovated his entire receiving core now um in more recent transactions I, i'm not seeing any that look like potential league winners maybe james white um i should have picked him up and i kind of am kicking myself for not doing that despite that i had sonny michelle um white looks like he could be a top 15 top 10 uh, type of running back in our league, especially that values uh, receiving points so much. But the the big stuff that has happened in our league are the the trades. Now there's been uh, five trades. Um, I have been involved in all of them, uh, which I suppose is not the most surprising, as I think I propose a trade to everyone every day. <laughs> At least it feels like that, right? Um, obviously the the first one. I mean, I've traded with Austin twice now. Um, the first one with Austin, he was targeting Edelman. 
and I was targeting Golden Tate, and I thought Jordan Reed could become a, a valuable asset as well. Uh, that trade has actually worked out for both of us. Uh, now that Edelman is is coming on strong, uh, he's back and healthy. It looks like that's a that's a win win there. Austin has his starting tight end, and I've got a trade piece moving forward in Jordan Reed, so long as he stays healthy. Um, then we had uh, trade for Goff and Demarius Thomas that went to Kevin, and I pulled Keenan Allen off his team. And Allen has actually uh, struggled a little bit this year, um, and uh, I don't know. I think Kevin won that trade. Golf has performed very well. And uh, despite the fact that DT hasn't performed well, uh, Kevin needed uh, quarterbacks uh, to quite a large degree. So I'd actually say that, that Kevin won that trade, uh, despite the fact that I was able to use uh, Keenan Allen and Adam Thielen to pull Antonio Brown off of my father, just because Brown had been having a, a poor week. Um, and I did that because I wanted to facilitate a, a trade for Gurley. And Austin and I spent, oh, geez, uh, probably two days messaging back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and up in the ante and up in the ante uh, so that uh, we get a trade that sent a, half my team to, to Austin and I received Gurley and Tyreek Hill on the way back. And uh, I was trying to be sneaky and I ended up telling Austin my intentions outright that I, I fell in love with uh, Sonny Michel. I, I actually think he's a, a top 10 running back uh, in our league going forward. Uh, especially if the Patriots are are going to switch to this more kind of ground-oriented attack where they're using the running backs. Uh, they usually do that later in the season, but early in the season you usually don't see that. Um, they're operating like a Patriots offense with Gronk, who's been hurt. And it's because they don't really have that many good passing threats, uh, so they're utilizing the backfield quite a lot. And I can see Michelle having uh, a Blount-type uh, back half to a season uh, the year that Blount scored, or Blunt, or whatever the hell his name is, uh, scored 16 touchdowns. Um, I can see Michelle having that kind of impact, especially because if you watch the games, Sonny Michelle is a, a more talented runner than LeGarrette Blount. Um, and then we we had another trade that actually won me this week, assuming that uh, Michael Thomas doesn't score like 61 points, which I'm still a little nervous about that. But uh, I picked up Deshaun Watson, and I, I threw the the big trade piece, Brandon Cooks, back towards uh towards chris and i'm not sure if uh, uh long term i'll be the winner of that trade but certainly short term deshaun walks and looks like he has completely returned to form he doesn't have any issues with his legs and uh, uh brandon cooks actually suffered his third concussion in three years so that right now short term i definitely won that trade uh, i think the jury's still out on the the austin trade the, that i did the uh, the second one um, and I, I honestly think that uh, going back to my father's trade, um, where I gave him Thielen and Keenan Allen, that my father won that trade. Um, the only way I can view that as a win is that it facilitated the the trade for Gurley, which is who I was ultimately targeting in that series of events. Um, as for for trades and uh, transactions and whatnot, I'm looking through the drop players to see if there were any really egregious moves that were done. And I'm sure the, the carry on Johnson move can be harped on. So can dropping James white. Jay, what are you doing, dude? Your running backs are fucking terrible. Uh, when you get a guy that scores 30 points and wins you, uh, your matchup that week, you don't just drop him then because he, he doesn't seem like he's the, an integral part of the offense. Uh, you gotta, you gotta plan for this stuff. You gotta look forward. Um, <laughs> your luck is going to run out at some point, but, um, but Jay dropped, uh, Drop James White because smart moves don't matter anymore in our league. Um, yeah, looking through, Jameis Winston has been picked up and dropped like four or five times. I'm not sure he 
ever comes out and actually performs well. But um, yeah, nothing really egregious. Um, the two uh, super poor moves um, of Carrion Johnson and uh, and who I was just talking about. Um, James White, right, 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 sorry, blanking there. Um, those are pretty egregious. Jay holds on to those two people, and his team looks uh, much, much formidable at this point. Uh, Chris was having wide receiver issues, and the Browns early in the season were having uh, quarterback issues, and so their wide receivers weren't really doing much, and Chris dropped Jarvis Landry, who I think leads the league in targets right now. Uh, it was kind of a costly move for him. Um, and then there was the big one, uh, Kevin dropping Le'Veon Bell, uh, just deciding not to deal with his shit. And I, I don't blame him for that. I, I was talking with Corey when that happened. And I, I told him, I understand the, the reasoning why that he would drop him. I wouldn't do it. Uh, I probably would have tried to trade him, especially tried to trade him to Corey because Corey probably would have given up a decently valuable piece for that. But uh, that's how it worked out. Corey ended up getting him. And, and honestly, when you consider the entire length of the season, giving up the 84 uh, fantasy dollars uh, is probably uh, equivalent to giving up a decent player um, in a trade. Now, certainly Kevin doesn't see any return on that, but the cost to Corey was probably equivalent. But in terms of uh, transactions and everything, that is uh, that's it. Um, I'm not going to go over matchups, matchup by matchup, just because that would take forever, and I'm already approaching 40 minutes on this thing. Um, and so I think I'm going to wrap it up there. Uh, look tomorrow to see if I post a shorter one, probably very short, 10 minutes or so. Um, and that just recaps the, the stuff that's happened between now and then basically the Monday night game. Um, I will also talk about the bets that we have in the league that I haven't even touched on in this one, just because I haven't gotten to it. Um, but I'll touch on those tomorrow and uh, kind of memorialize that in, in this podcast format. Um, but until then, I uh, hope you've enjoyed it.